Let's pray. Heavenly Father, meet with us to gather around your word. Help us to hear the words you need us to hear, to engage with you. May we encounter the risen Christ. May that encounter be good news to us today. In Jesus' name, Amen. I'm sure you've all heard some of the light bulb jokes. You know the jokes about how many of a certain type of people does it take to change a light bulb? And doing a quick search of my blog tells me that I've even started a previous sermon with Sam, but I wanted to tell a few more, so I've been careful not to repeat any of them. So, how many psychiatrists does it take to change a light bulb? I don't know. Only one, but the light bulb really needs to want to change. <laughs> How many mystery writers does it take to change a light bulb? Two, one to screw it most of the way in, and another to give it a surprise twist at the end. How many accountants does it take to change a light bulb? Maybe three. It depends how many you want them to say it takes. How many council workers does it take to change a light bulb? Oh, it's quite. <laughs> it's about a hundred, one to actually fit the bulb, and the other 99 to complete all the necessary paperwork. Oh, okay. How many pessimists does it take to change a light bulb? Why bother? It's just going to go out again anyway. <laughs> How many polite Londoners, does it take to change a light bulb? Both of them. And one final one. How many members of the Trinity does it take to change the light bulb? Now, Jesus is the light and he never fails nor changes. And last, last week we resumed our stroll through the Gospel of Mark. And we saw that at this stage Jesus spends a lot more time on the road teaching in the open air rather than in synagogues. He also starts teaching in parables and we talked a little bit about parables and why Jesus used them. And amongst other reasons was that Jesus wanted to force us to think. He doesn't just spoon feed us. But those who are prepared to stick with it, Jesus said, to dwell with it, to question, to dig into it, they're the ones who will get the most out of what Jesus has called us to. And in today's passage, we get a series of short sayings from Jesus. Some of them are a bit like short parables, others less so. But there's a couple of things about the sayings. Firstly, it's not immediately obvious in what ways they connect with each other and with what's going on around them. And secondly, in the other Gospels, so some of the other Gospels, they appear, but they're scattered all, all around the place rather than grouped together in this, in this way. And of itself, that's not necessarily an issue. Jesus was a traveling speaker. He spoke for a number of years. I'm pretty sure he repeated stuff now and then. I'm pretty sure that there are many things he said which people remembered him saying it, but they couldn't quite remember which day it was he said it or where they were when he said it or what was going on around. And there are occasions when the saying got divorced from the context. 
but I thought it still was recorded the same. But some of them actually have different uses in different Gospels. And that includes some of the ones we have today. Take the first bit of the passage. Uh, some variation of it occurs in the first three Gospels. In Mark today, we read it as, do you bring in a lamp and put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on its stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. Consider carefully what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and even more. Whoever has will be given more. And whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. Luke's use of the image is quite similar to Mark, but there are a couple of differences. Luke says this, no one lights a lamp and hangs it in a clay jar or puts it under a bed. Instead, they put it on a stand so that those who can come in and seek the light. But there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed, and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out into the open. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more, whoever does not have, even what they think they have will be taken. So Luke doesn't include the statement about measures. We'll come to that in a moment. But he also kind of says, be careful how you listen. Mark says, be careful what you listen to. Luke says, be careful how you listen to. Which is more, which is it? Well, both are important. How we listen perhaps feeds more directly into the parable of the sower, which spoke of the word falling into different types of soil with different types of results. But equally, what or who we listen to will shape us. We live in a world which has a lot of misinformation. More and more truth is coming to be seen as a negotiable, even an optional extra, even in our public discourse. And I wrote that before the events of and we are very good at hearing what we want to hear. Most of us tend to read newspapers which suit the narrative that we want to believe. We can live in echo chambers, only hearing voices we agree with and which never really challenges. And there are also people only too happy to feed us a diet of half-truths and outright lies if it suits them. So being careful who we listen to and how we listen are both important. But Matthew uses the image of hiding a lamp slightly differently. In what has come to be known as the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people like a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone. So in Matthew, Jesus is talking about the people listening to him, that they're the light of the world. Mark and Luke make it less clear what Jesus is talking about. Also, take verse 24. Jesus says, consider carefully what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you and even more. Now this say also appears about measures and and how we measure and what measure we use, that comes up in a couple of other Gospels as well, but very differently. In Matthew, again, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, do not judge, or you too will be judged, for in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. 
measured to use, it will be measured to you. I don't look, although it appears right next to his dignified judging, it's again slightly different. He says, give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. So Matthew talks about how we judge others. Luke talks about generosity. And Mark has something to say about how we listen or hear. And all of that's fine. It just goes to show how different lessons were often drawn from the same words in different and that was one of the powerful things we saw last week about the parables. But since we're spending time with Jesus and Mark, look at how Mark uses his sayings. What's he trying to communicate? And is there a kind of thread running through them? Or are they just a series of disconnected sayings that Mark thought, yeah, I need to fit these in somewhere? Well, the context is that Jesus has just told and explained the parable of the sower. In a sense, he's explained to the disciples why he's getting the kind of mixed response he is. Some of them, some are outright resistant or even hostile. Some are kind of entertained by the stories and, and are quite happy to have Jesus sort something out for them, but that's as far as their interest goes. Others are starting out, but then they give up. And some are connected with the message and being transformed by it. And in some ways, they might have been confused when Jesus told them why he was speaking in parables, the way he said, it almost seems that he didn't want people to get it. Why doesn't he make it more obvious? But Jesus tells him he's not deliberately doing this. He says, do you bring in a lamp and put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, would you put it on a stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. I must admit, I always see something quite dark about that statement about the hidden being disclosed or the concealed being brought out into the earth. It has that sense of, you know, of why government ministers, for example, are probably quite reluctant about all their WhatsApp being made available to an inquiry. I'm not having a go at them. I'm pretty sure that all of us have said and done stuff which we'd be really embarrassed if it was suddenly discovered, if it had been recorded, and I was about to play it all on the big screen for everyone to see. I know I've stuff that I wouldn't want to be on the big screen. But that's not what Jesus is saying here. If we think back to the start of the setting here, this is why I started talking about the light bulb jokes and why Jesus is the light. Because he's talking about himself. They might be bemused about why Jesus is doing things the way he, the way he is. It might seem he's being deliberately hard to understand. They might think, oh Jesus, could you not be a bit more obvious? And surely there are people who would believe you if you were just a bit more obvious. You wouldn't face all this hassle if you just came out and said it. And Jesus says he isn't deliberately making things. But God has sent Jesus to reveal, not to conceal. Jesus is saying that there is a mystery only God can reveal. And God is revealing it in Jesus. People 
may not be able to see it just yet, but it won't be hidden forever. That God is a God who longs to reach out and communicate with us. As a passage in Hebrews, which I keep coming back to, suggests that in the past God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. God has been reaching out to people in so many ways, through law, prophecy, poetry. And our Old Testament, there's a story of how bit by bit, people were catching glimpses of God and what he was like. But in sending Jesus, God was going public. In Jesus, we get Ta-da! The big reveal. The Hebrews passage goes on. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. When Paul wrote to the Colossian church, he said something similar. The sun is the image of the invisible God. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things. Basically what they're saying is, if you want to know what God is like, Jesus is the big reveal. Jesus is God going public. You can read through the Old Testament and you will catch glimpses of what God is like, but if you really want the complete picture, look at Jesus. It's like, imagine you had never met my wife, Jones. Okay? And then you meet me, and you hear me talking about her, and you ask me what she's like. And I can tell you she's about five foot five, has blonde hair, she has green grey eyes, she's very artistic and crafty, and I said good craft type stuff, not sneaky. I could tell you that she is beautiful and that she is way out of my league. Maybe we'll get something of an idea. But how much better if I could say, but if you really want to see her, just go into the kitchen and, uh, and look for the person who's wondering why you're all staring at them. <laughs> Jesus has come to reveal all of it. But the parables and the miracles on their own, they're not going to be enough. We need the full picture. And as Jesus says these words, there is more to be revealed. There is the cross and the resurrection. Only then will the true depth of who God is, how much God loves us, how much God is on our side, be revealed. What is impenetrable and incomprehensible, even to his closest followers now, is being revealed at the cross. And Jesus is saying much the same about the truth. The truth is meant to be seen. And it doesn't change, even when it is unpopular. We can refuse to face the truth. We can try to suppress the truth. We can try to silence it. We can, we can try to delay it. We can mock it. We can ignore it. It will still be there. Truth will prevail. Jesus says, God knows what he's doing. And whilst God's way of working in the world might seem strange, 
Jesus practices. And that remains as true as it ever was. There are times when we might wonder if God doesn't have this very strange way of working in the world. Could he not make himself a bit more obvious? Could he not make it a bit easier for people to believe? And the response is the same. Truthful light. Maybe not as we anticipate, but God hasn't given up on the world. In Jesus' life, his death and his resurrection, God has shown his commitment to the world. And he won't give up on us. But he adds, be careful what you listen to. Because there will be those who think God should be telling, should be doing it all differently. And we could get to the stage where we think, well, if God really was with us and for us, surely it would have it a lot easier than we do. And it all sounds very plausible. But the rare occasion when I think I'm not angry enough and I want to get angry, I'll flick through religious broadcasting channels. And I'm not saying it's all nonsense, but there's a lot of rubbish out there. And it can be popular nonsense, but it's nonsense nonetheless. It's popular because it tells people what they want to hear. But that doesn't make it true. I came across a thing this week which said this. Remember that the Apostle John was exiled, Paul was imprisoned, and Jesus was executed. So why would anyone assume that God's will for us all is to have a great job, a happy life, and a massive bank account? Some of us might be blessed. And if you are, God bless you. But if you are, you're charged with great lots of responsibility to bless others. But life can be hard, full stop. And life, the life of faith can be difficult. Jesus never promised us an easy life. He just promised that he would be with us and strengthen us through it all. But Jesus highlights that there's a sense in which our faith and our expectation do make a difference. He says this, with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. God can't give you more than you're prepared to, to receive. Let me give you an illustration of this. Over here we have our baptistry. Now imagine, don't ask me how I got the money, but imagine I were to fill that baptistry to the brim with one-time coins. Can I just imagine that for a moment? And you're invited to make one trip to the baptistry and take as much as you can take away. You can bring one receptacle to carry what you take in. If you come with a glass like this, that'll be as much as you can. come with something like this, 
You will come away with so much more. Maybe your big limitation will be Discover that God, all that God has 
grace and peace be with you.